0: Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Editor-at-Large at at Recode. You may know me as someone who can't be replaced by a machine, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is Penny Pritzker, the former U.S. Secretary of Commerce in the Obama administration. She's also the co-author of The Work Ahead, a report about the American workplace in the 21st century that was sponsored by the Council on Foreign Relations. It calls for fundamental policy changes to better support U.S. workers, Penny, welcome back to Recode Decode. Thanks. Were, were you Commerce Secretary when I had you on yellowS Yes, I was. Yes, you were. in the previous administration. Glad to be here. Um, so let's talk about your background. Just give it very quick so people who may not have listened to that. You were a, a real estate developer. Basically,
1: I've been in business for, for business. 30 years mm-hmm. and uh, over 30 years, actually. And then uh, President Obama asked me, I'm not a politician, asked me if I would come in. You were and an early supporter. And, uh, yes, I Chicago. have known him for a long time. And he asked me if I would come in and serve as Commerce Secretary and to help him with his relationship with the business community mm-hmm. and help with uh, economic policy and then really be the chief commercial advocate for American business right. around the world.
0: Right, which you did. And uh, say so you're not just a business person. You're a big real estate empire. <laughs> you guys do a lot of things and lots of different businesses, but primarily real estate initially.
1: And it, my early career was primarily in real
0: estate. Now I'm doing a lot more in technology. right. And we're going to talk about that. So you served as Commerce Secretary. Just go over your biggest hits. Um, What what, what was your focus? Well,
1: my focus was a lot on attracting foreign direct investment Mm -hmm. because it creates great jobs in the United States and great opportunity. The first ever digital agenda Mm -hmm. for the United States. Um, I also focused on a skilled workforce, which we'll talk about more Mm -hmm. later, and unlocking our data. You know, the data revolution is right. just starting. The Department of Commerce produces about 20 to 40 terabytes of data a mm-hmm. day, unlocking that. Along with that. the census? Along oh, with the- exactly. Census is part of the Department of Commerce, mm-hmm. um, as is the weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we also created a digital attache program to help American businesses that were trying to sell their products digitally ac- around the world. Uh, Broadband expansion, very important to make sure most Americans could get access to high-speed internet. Patent protection, Mm -hmm. big initiatives there. Um, The U.S.-EU privacy shield, you know, we – post-Snowden, we had lost the safe harbor to Mm -hmm. transfer digital information back and forth between the United States and I think Europe. Mark Zuckerberg's
0: over there right now not answering questions at the European Parliament. Apparently. Well,
1: we had to work very <laughs> yeah, closely yeah. with the EU to solve that problem because mm-hmm. we had thousands of businesses here who had somewhere around $290 billion worth of digital trade at risk. Right. So we were able to fix that and put that back together. So a lot of different things that we did. Very exciting. Uh, You know, advanced manufacturing. Mm -hmm. I also worked really hard. We did 14 advanced manufacturing institutes called Manufacturing USA around the United States. The goal being how do you take great ideas that are sitting in the laboratory and get them to market in the next five to seven years Mm -hmm. so the United States could lead, whether it was in composite materials Mm -hmm. or it might be in different forms of energy Things we can make here. That, things that, we can make that, here not, like and sell, not phones, only yeah.
0: not only sell here, but sell around the world. Yeah, I love the name advanced manufacturing. It sounds so promising. <laughs> That's one of those promises. It is promising. It is promising. So what would you say your overall take as, as secretary was? What was your theory of what the commerce Department, being in government? Because you were a business person moving to government. Mm-hmm. My thesis of the Department of Commerce is we were a
1: service organization. Mm-hmm. So whether we were the census full of data or the weather service full of information that was needed every mm-hmm. single day or we were offering you a patent or a trademark or if you had sensitive material you wanted to send you know sell around the world we'd give you permission if it mm-hmm. you were selling to people that we thought made sense so i viewed the department of commerce as a service organization and we really we put together a strategic plan that really focused the whole department and said we're going to do trade and foreign direct investment, we're going to focus on innovation, a better skilled workforce, advanced manufacturing, digital policy, data, making our data more available, Mm -hmm. and then environmental intelligence, which is really what NOAA provides. Mm -hmm. And the view was our customer was first the business community because Mm -hmm. they're the ones who were using our capabilities the most. But also was to
0: help the rest of the government be more efficient. Right. And one of the things was digitizing each of these. Agencies, which they hadn't been. That was a big push during the Obama exactly, measure. Exactly. It was really
1: amazing how far behind the department was. When I arrived, our email didn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, go out for four hours a day, and people would tell me that was normal. And mm-hmm. I said, no, that's not normal. It's mm-hmm. not the way it works in the real no, world. No, it doesn't, yeah. And we really, we in fact, took the department to the cloud. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we just kind of leapfrogged the bad technologies that we had mm-hmm. and really pressed forward. The other thing we did is we created... The Commerce Digital Service, mm-hmm. where what we did is train people within the organization how to use our data, how to bring it to life, how to create APIs, how to mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, code. We had over 3,000, we, we only ran the program for the last 18 months. We had over 3,000 people within the department go through our programs. And so you sort of like, we had trainers who helped train folks right. who could bring the department to life. It's, it was exciting.
0: Yeah. And so, how would you look back on your government experience? What would you say, you know, that, given what's happened afterwards, too? I mean, we'll talk about some of the I learning.
1: loved it. I felt at first it was an honor to serve our country. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I had the privilege of bringing everything I'd ever learned in my life to try and help the American people. Mm -hmm. And I took that very seriously every single day, whether it was trying to, you know, bring more jobs here to the United States, maybe through travel and tourism policy. We were Mm -hmm. on a plan to have 100 million travelers to the United States. That's all gone awry now. Mm -hmm. I mean, but, you know, with travelers comes uh, enormous job creation yep, yep. here. We were bringing factories from around the world to the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were, d- and so I felt that you know it was exciting. We were building bridges with Mexico mm-hmm. because the supply chains of the United States very much extend into our partners in Canada mm-hmm. and Mexico. But the infrastructure, both uh, wh- if it came to air uh, infrastructure. Or our border crossings for goods and services were really antiquated. And we worked closely. The Vice President put me in charge of the high level economic mm-hmm. dialogue on his behalf. And we got enormous things done that to the benefit of American business and the American worker mm-hmm. that you know made it much easier for goods and services to flow back and forth between our countries. It also strengthened the countries on our borders, mm-hmm. which we felt was really important to have a strong right. buffer between... Well, no, strong Mexico is better for A the strong Mexico is good for the United States. A strong Canada is good for the United mm-hmm. States. Um, so I felt as a business person who spent, you know, had mm-hmm. time in government for three and a half years, that it was extraordinary. And it changed my view of the world. Um, and I also felt that it was possible to work with across the aisle. Mm-hmm. I mean, we uh, we worked with everyone. Even Ted Cruz said to me, he said, commerce is a bipartisan issue. Mm-hmm. We ought to be able to work together. And we did. Right. I mean, I had the um, my uh, authorizers and the members of Congress that uh, also gave us our uh, money were Republican leaders. Mm-hmm. I worked very well with them. Mm-hmm. But you had to explain what are you trying to get done, how are you going to do it, right. why you're going to spend the money efficiently, why it's in the best interest of the taxpayer to use our resources in right. a certain fashion, which I took that part very seriously right? because unlike running a business— You can't just decide what you're going to do. It's a democracy. And a democracy
0: means you have to bring other people along. Mm -hmm. And you use the term gone awry. So how do you reflect on what's happening now? You did all this stuff, and it seems as if they stuck in a drawer at this
1: point. Well, the challenge, yes. Many things have been stuck in a drawer. And the other thing is we have a lot of chaos. Mm -hmm. You know, certainly
0: as Secretary of Commerce— he wants to run it like a business so you can do anything you want. That's— That's what I think when he says I'm gonna bring business things, you just mentioned said something very clear. Like when you're a business, you can do what you want. In a democracy, you can't. You've got to work together to Well and and one thing we all know is certain, you know,
1: businesses want certainty. They Mm want to they want to understand the playing field and they wanna understand Mm -hmm. the rules. And then they're willing to operate within them, and then they're willing to invest, and then they're willing to create Mm -hmm. jobs. So we were very focused on job creation. Mm -hmm. But what we knew is the federal government doesn't create jobs private sector creates jobs. Right. So we had to create the conditions where the private sector would, would want to that. invest and grow and create jobs. Mm-hmm. And that was a very much a focus of ours because, remember, it's hard to remember. When we started, when I came in, I think unemployment was around 8%. When, mm-hmm. you know, President Obama came in, it was north of 10%. So we were very focused on job creation, but we mm-hmm. understood that's not—the government doesn't create those jobs. Right. And what we knew is is that you needed to create also greater certainty so that companies had conviction that and clarity right. that they would take a business risk, but they didn't want to take a geopolitical risk, mm-hmm. if you will, or a geoeconomic sure. risk.
0: Sure,
1: You know, things going to ride today, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. And it makes it very difficult to invest.
0: Right. What do you look at? How do you look at the Commerce Department today, then?
1: Well, they seem very focused on the trade deficit, which was mm-hmm. not a focus of ours. Right. I mean, the trade de- the factors that go into a trade deficit are much bigger than trade agreements. Mm-hmm. So what we were focused on was how do we open our markets mm-hmm. so that we get more investment in the into United the States mm-hmm. so that which creates jobs and creates opportunity and economic benefit mm-hmm. for Americans. Right we were focused on market access to other countries and Mm -hmm. working with other countries to be able to um, have easier access into their uh, economies. And, you know, it wasn't always easy. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of success, but we ran into also a lot of challenges. Mm -hmm. You know, what I worry about is... um, It takes a very sustained, consistent effort to make change across, Mm -hmm. if you want, in trade relations. If you think about TPP, Mm -hmm. we're questioning what leverage do we have with China. Well, we threw out TPP. Mm -hmm. Um, It took, I think, north of six, seven, eight years to get TPP put together. You can't just, like, say, oh, okay, I want to do a new deal and— and that's all going to just happen right. quickly. Right. And so that's the challenge that I think we face is understanding what are the rules now. Right.
0: Nobody seems to no. know what— And look at the China thing right now. Whether it's China, well, Mexico, it was Canada, Well, it start off with, we're going to shake you down and then giving up on that. We're going we're to deny you this and then give—it looks like saying something crazy and then walking it back
1: yeah, I don't understand the strategy. I can't make sense of it. Right. And it seems to be that the positioning changes day to day. Well, it's cuz I think internally there's people who disagree with There seems other. to be. I'm I don't ha- I'm not privy to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I know from an as someone who's a business person, mm-hmm. it's very hard to sort out. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to figure out then where do I want to put my capital mm-hmm. so that I can, you know, create Economic activity, which is, mm-hmm. I think, frankly, what everybody wants,
0: right? Creating economic and and fairness. Are there anything that you think is very um Okay, to focus on trade deficits and, for example, with China, take on the China issue? Well, I think
1: China, look, there's no doubt there's a challenge with market access in China. Mm -hmm. I've said this to the Chinese. It's not like this is news from me. And certainly this administration is is attacking that issue. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt there's challenges about intellectual property protection. Mm -hmm. My question is the approach, Mm -hmm. which is I think that this... You know, uh, threatening and uh, uh, very um, vitriolic kind of conversation mm-hmm. that is hoping then that someone's going to say, oh, I've been wrong all this time and I'm going to back off. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, that's not how governments relate to one another. Right. My thesis has always been the way to work with another government, let's say, on the economic issues, is to help them understand why it's in their best interest mm-hmm. to make it easier for American companies to have access to their market. Right. And the approach that that we took was to say, you know, here are the rules that you've got that are impediment to right. foreign direct investment. You have a public statement. You want our investment in your country and we want yours mm-hmm. here. You've created impediments, Mm -hmm. whether it's intellectual property protection or we don't have Mm -hmm. access to certain markets or things like that. And say, that's not helping you, nor is it helping us. Mm -hmm. And let's find places where it's in everyone's best interest to make change. Well, it seems like
0: right now it's just press releases or just statements and then there's no— We're we're moving
1: from issue to issue, and and it doesn't seem there's a strategic
0: pattern here. No, I just think it's just— utterances. Uh, you know, you go from very threatening remarks to then oh we're going to help the Chinese company which I think most intelligence officials are disturbed by to this to that to that to the and it looks like nothing's been gotten in the end from it. It's very hard to understand. They gave con- even Marco Rubio gets it they're giving concessions they were going to give anyway so you're not getting anything. It's
1: very hard to understand and when you when I listen to the officials our officials talk they're very opaque about what we got in return or what were the promises that were made. You know, agricultural access is mm-hmm. very challenging. Right. It's a, been a, a the number of negotiations that Secretary Vilsack and Mm -hmm. I and um, Ambassador Froman engaged in on agricultural access. Mm -hmm. It's just not something that happens overnight. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see if somehow out of this chaos comes major breakthroughs. But our experience certainly with China is you have to have a very steady long-term right. hand and you have to be consistent uh, to make breakthroughs. With them.
0: Absolutely. And so since then, you've left – getting off this subject, left, you left – you went back and created a new company, which mm-hmm. is the real estate and other things, private equity – Yes so um I came back at, to create PSP partners
1: mm-hmm. and we really do a couple of things in the corporate area we're um focused on what we've always been is building businesses mm-hmm. and we invest across the spectrum in venture growth and more established businesses mm-hmm. and what we're trying to do is take advantage of global trends so mm-hmm. whether it's urbanization so in our real estate effort we're uh we're developing and own a whole portfolio of multifamily apartment buildings in the United mm-hmm. States and Mexico, or it's um, logistics are changing we're in we're part we create industrial product industrial buildings mm-hmm. and try to solve problems for companies trying to get their goods to market. Right. So you're looking at Global to do that. Too. Exactly. But then on the on the more corporate and tech side, we're also focused on you know, bringing technology to established businesses mm-hmm. or the data revolution. So I'll give you a couple examples there. For example, we're investing in a company called WireWheel, mm-hmm. which is creating a um, solution to help companies know where is their sensitive data at any mm-hmm. time so that that they can be compliant with GDPR. Sure. Or we own a company called Beachfront Media that is a technology advertising business. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're trying to be in... Uh, areas of the economy that we think have growth, right. we like to work with entrepreneurs and business founders mm-hmm. who um, to build businesses and to help them grow their enterprises.
0: Right, and then the two other things you've done since that is one is this we're going to talk about in a second this this report, the work ahead, which I want to get into in the next section. Mm-hmm. And you also joined the board of Microsoft. I did. Why? Well, why not?
1: Well. Um, why? Because, first of all, they asked me. You yeah. don't just get to show up. I bet and, you get asked a lot. Well, um, I, I wanted to join the board of Microsoft. I was really interested in joining the board of one of our leading technology companies. Mm-hmm. And uh, to, Why is that? Because, to, because,
0: because there's so Uber much. was not something you wanted to do right then. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm teasing. Well, there are uh, 17 board seats. That they may be asking you, I'm guessing. 17 board seats. Yeah. That's a lot. Well, they need a lot of board They need a lot of
1: over. Well, I have have no information about that. But what I would say about Microsoft is, is I really, um, I think Sacha is a terrifically transformational uh, leader. I think the culture, I really agree with what they're trying to do, what Mm -hmm. he's trying to do and where the leadership of that company is going culturally. Mm -hmm. And I believe in the products that they're have created, are creating, and are delivering. But it is a vertical learning curve for me. I am the first person uh-huh. to tell um, both Satya and um, Brad Smith, who's the president. He's I coming said, Look, to code next week. He's fabulous. He um, and he's been a great thought partner and leader when I was in the Department of Commerce mm-hmm. in terms of issues of privacy and the digital agenda. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, it was a company that I thought would help keep me on the leading edge of what's happening in technology. Mm-hmm. And I feel that's extremely important as a business person. Right,
0: to understand what's going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, but what you are working on is this: the work ahead, besides the business stuff you're doing. And we're going to talk about it in a minute. Could you just give us a two-second version, and in the next section we'll talk about it in detail, of what the point of this was. Sure. The point of the work ahead is, is that we have seismic forces
1: that are changing the very nature of work. Mm-hmm. The kind of innovation we've got, automation, globalization artificial intelligence. And Americans are struggling to adjust and thrive in this environment. Mm -hmm. And So the Council on Foreign Relations asked John Engler and I to lead a task force of 20 experts to put together a menu of options for federal leaders, state and local leaders,
0: business leaders, and NGOs. All right. We're going to talk more about this with Penny Pritzker. She's the co-author of The Work Ahead. She's also used to run the Commerce Department, a business person uh, on the board of Microsoft. And we're going to talk about this topic, because a topic that's near and dear to my heart. It's something I'm very interested in, is how... so passionate about this issue. absolutely, because I think it affects everything, culture, politics, and and could get worse in lots of ways. And our national security. And our national security. Anyway, when we get back, uh, from word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by TransferWise. Do you ever need to send money internationally? Sure, your bank or PayPal can get your money from A to B, but that transfer will cost you more than it should, a lot more. That's the old way of doing things. Let me tell you about the new, smarter, and cheaper way to send money internationally, TransferWise. TransferWise was founded by two friends, Tabit and Christo, who were frustrated by their banks' bad exchange rates and high fees. They wondered, what if we could bypass the banks entirely? So they built TransferWise. That was seven years ago. Today, more than two million people use TransferWise. People sending money home, businesses paying suppliers, freelancers getting paid, the list goes on. TransferWise's clever new technology gives you a great exchange rate and a low fee. So it'll put some extra money in your pocket for more important things. No one has ever said, it's important that my bank gets some extra money. Test it out for free at TransferWise.com slash podcast or download the app. Once again, that's TransferWise.com slash podcast. It's the wise way to send money. I'd also like to tell you about one of our other podcasts, Recode Media with Peter Kafka. Peter, who did you talk to this week?
1: this week I talked to Roman Mars. Mm, He is the uh, guy behind... It's a great name. He's got a great voice. You're going to be blown away by this guy's voice. He's a podcaster and a radio broadcaster. the guy behind 99% Invisible. Oh, fantastic. Which you've heard before. Mm -hmm. He's sort of the co-founder of Radiotopia, which is a very cool podcast network. So we had a good, short, concise conversation about podcasting.
0: Sounds great, Peter. You can find Recode Media on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're here with Penny Pritzker, the co-author of The Work Ahead. She was also Commerce Secretary in the Obama Administration, business person, Microsoft board member, everything else. We were just talking this work ahead. So talk about what some of the content of this was, because as you know, I've been doing some TV shows on this topic and where it's going because I think it impacts everything.
1: Well, first of all, you're doing I love your interviews that you're doing on this. It's it's really important. Look. But Pew Research has said 75% of Americans are really, they have enormous angst about their job that they have today mm-hmm. and about the future of their family. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, I always like to make this personal. I like to think about who are the people that we're talking about. And I think about, you know, Corey Powell from the South Side. Here's a guy who Chicago. had it in Chicago, South Side of Chicago, he had been, um, worked for an architectural steel manufacturer, was a production supervisor. Mm-hmm. They revamp the plant, he loses his job. He can't find work for a year. Part of his challenge was he didn't know how to explain. If he'd been a supervisor, he was a manager, he had technical skills, he didn't Mm -hmm. know how to present himself. Mm -hmm. Uh, And on social media, on Facebook, he finds out about skills for Chicagoland's future. Mm -hmm. And he basically is given coaching and skills training and Then has a job today at another company called Friedman Seating, uh, which is a manufacturer of mass transit seats. um, And he's had two pay raises. He's been promoted. The challenge out there is the workplace is changing. Mm -hmm. And how do we as help Americans manage the change in the workplace, whether it's in manufacturing or it's in
0: accounting or it's in white-collar work. It's happening to all of us. Right. And I think, it, it, it you know, what's interesting is this past election, I think, was all about work. I mean, we, mm-hmm. you can point to racism, you can point to a lot of fear-mongering, but this is a candidate who took advantage of the fears. That's yeah. what it, 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 it And And then a, another group of people that didn't have solutions to those fears, didn't have answers, enough answers about where work was going. And I think if you could boil it down, there's a, there's all kinds of issues around an interesting candidate, but ultimately it was about work, as far as I could tell. Like, people worried about where it's going. And the the, the topics I think you just uh, alluded to, one was automation and robotics. I think mm-hmm. you put those together. Yes. The changes in transportation, self-driving, infrastructure, yes. AI, and all, and all the machine learning and all the out- parts of that. And then the general feeling that some of these jobs are just not going to be there in the future, that the way it's it's as if we're going to farming as we did from farming to manufacturing. Something is about to change really significantly.
1: I think we're in the change mm-hmm. and what we haven't done is acknowledge that mm-hmm. and said we need a systems change. We need a cultural change. First of all, lifelong learning has got to be available to everyone. Right. And we also have to better connect and better link the, both your education and your skills training to jobs. Right. It, there are new jobs. There are all kinds of jobs being created. Mm-hmm. I haven't spoken to a CEO in this country, and I spoke to probably 2,500 when I was mm-hmm. in commerce, who didn't tell me, I can't find the skilled workforce I need. Right. And yet you've got people who are unhappy with the opportunity in front of them. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing you've got is, I was just in Toronto this past uh, week, and Toronto is... Growing at one percent a year, mm-hmm. and many of those folks are people who are working for American companies that are having to locate in Canada mm-hmm. because of the immigration policy right so we'll, we'll get to immigration we need last- we need a systems change in in terms of the workforce you know basically our our thesis is that um Lifelong learning has got to be available to every American. Mm -hmm. We've got to make Pell Grants more flexible, MAP Grants more flexible. We need to make it more transparent for individuals to understand, how do I get from where I'm at? I'm in 10th grade. Mm -hmm. I want to become somebody who works in AI. Mm -hmm. I may not even understand what AI is, but how do I get there? Mm -hmm. What's that path? We don't have the counselors available to do that. You know, what 's the technology tools that can help? There are some that exist. Right. You know I met this fabulous group in uh, out of San Diego called Journeys mm-hmm. and they have mapped across the United States you say here 's where I am today, both physically and how let 's say what stage I am in my education mm-hmm. and you say, "I want to become a cybersecurity expert mm-hmm. and they will it, and the tool will map for you where within your um geography first what are the paths mm-hmm. almost like you know a mapping function mm-hmm. for driving your car right. what's the path you need to take in order to achieve your objectives what are the courses you need to take right. where you might be able to take them within your region mm-hmm. it's it, we need more tools like that the B- business roundtables created something called credential engine you go online and it tells you if you have certain credentials, what does that prepare you for? Right. We need to make
0: all of that so, much more let's transparent. Let's talk about how we think about work in the U.S. before this. Because this is the 21st You're talking about the, we're in the 21st century. But the way I think work has been done in this country is not planned at all. It's sort of like a get out there and just, you're just they just loose you on society, a loose you on the workforce. Absolutely. I think about, you know—
1: uh, Uh, Young people Mm -hmm. and you you have uh, young people who make it through high school Mm -hmm. and for one reason or another need to work and college is not something they're going to pursue at that moment. Mm -hmm. You know, what are we doing to prepare that person?
0: Mm-hmm. and how, what are their options? Well, do you think we have a history of doing that much at it? I mean, uh, no, we do nothing.
1: We right. don't do it there. Mm-hmm. We don't do it for the young we person. Counselors,
0: we have we You used to be apprenticeship year, hundreds of you years had ago.
1: Co- we have college counselors. We right. do not have career counselors. Right. We do not have, and that's why I talk about the tools that are available online. Mm-hmm. We need to, re- one of the things our report calls for is we need to reinsert career counseling back into the education system. Mm -hmm. And we need to support those people with tools that create greater transparency so that you can help people uh, who—and this is is dealing with the young person. It's not dealing with the mid-career person who Mm -hmm. finds himself out of work. There's a different set of tools that need to be created there. But we need to acknowledge this is a reality and Americans are resourceful. If you help them help themselves, mm-hmm. they're going to do great. Mm-hmm. And so our our report book, that's a fundamental thesis, mm-hmm. but we're not making this easy. Mm-hmm. We're, as you said, we're basically saying to someone, figure it out on your own. Right. And we're telling families, I saw this at, when I was secretary of commerce. Uh, We did something called Manufacturing Day. We were promoting advanced Mm -hmm. manufacturing, trying to show kids that advanced manufacturing is not your father, your grandfather, or your grandmother's manufacturing. And... Families came to this. It was The last one we did, we had a half a million young people and their families go to mm-hmm. manufacturing plants all over the country. And what, they, the, what was so interesting, and I talked with a number of the parents, they said, help me help my child. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to teach them how to do
0: advanced manufacturing or what do they need to learn because mm-hmm. I didn't do that because right. it didn't exist. Yeah, I was in a parent meeting yesterday in a very elite school, same thing. And we started to bring up this issue around coding. We didn't. We weren't trying to say everybody has to code, although that's been a big push, it, that it was beyond just learning how to code. It's how to understand the next society. And all the parents, educated parents, very wealthy parents, just were besides themselves too. They're like, I don't know what to tell my kids. Like, exactly. So this board. is a
1: problem. And imagine you don't have... I was like,
0: don't be a radiologist. That's, that's my first yeah. piece of advice.
1: But imagine you don't have Parents of means, and Mm -hmm. you're really trying, you're just trying to navigate Mm -hmm. the system, and the system is there's nobody to really to help you. Right. And and so we need this is why I say we need a systems change. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned when we went from the agricultural age to the industrial age, at that time the United States government made major policy. We made public high school mandatory, we made certain courses mm-hmm. mandatory. We said here's what we're going to do in order to Training. prepare our individuals to be competitive in... In In a manufacturing economy. In a manufacturing economy, both domestically and globally. Mm -hmm. We have we're not doing any of this mm-hmm. and i i do have faith though in governors mm-hmm. and in mayors big city mayors i think that they get it and they see because they're all in a competition to attract jobs mm-hmm. that they've got to therefore adopt policies that prepare their workforce so you're seeing all kinds of innovative things going on around the united states but you're not seeing them go to scale all right let's and that's th- talk challenge. about some of the
0: issues so let's talk about the the issues, the problems that the work ahead. So mm-hmm. one is AI. Right. Or, or AI. Go ahead. Right. You go through what you think the problem
1: Well, are. I mean, the challenges that you see are, as I said, one are the technologies that exist that are creating disruption in mm-hmm. jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also creating new jobs. Right. So um, identifying. Those. So identify. One of the challenges is identifying what's the path that I need to be on to get to those new jobs. Or, no, or the path to get off of. Or the path to get off of where
0: I'm on, where I'm at and how do I bridge then to uh, greater opportunity? It, it kind of reminds me, I was thinking like if you were back in the, before cars showed up, just before cars showed up or just as they did, being the person to say, I don't think you should shoe horses anymore. I feel like you shouldn't teach your children to shoe horses, right. perhaps, because this car thing looks like it might replace horses. Like that's the kind of thing you can see, you know, job after job after job like that. Right. So, and identifying the jobs. So, part of the challenge is identifying. Think of this many of these
1: uh, careers, they didn't exist a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Forget when I came out of school. Mm-hmm. They didn't exist 10 years ago. Uber driver. Well, whether, well, drivers. You're, whether you're an Uber driver or, or your. You want to be a cybersecurity Mm -hmm. expert. You want to be somebody who specializes in machine learning. Mm -hmm. You're, um, you know, doing the kind of diagnosis that's going on with uh, uh, new types of biotechnology. Mm -hmm. I mean, it requires different kinds of training. Not all of it also requires that you go and have four years of college College, and graduate school, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, transparency is a big issue. Right. And that's one of the biggest challenges we have, which is making it easier to understand those pathways. And we can harness data. And there are both companies, and part of what we tried to do at the Department of Commerce was to make more of Mm -hmm. this available to help people understand. The other challenge is benefits. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, Many people earn their benefits through their job, through right. their full-time Healthcare, job. Right. Health care. Exactly. Health care, workers comp, retirement benefits, mm-hmm. you can go on and on. Uh, and ha- sick leave, etc. If I'm part of the gig economy or I'm a contract worker or I have a portfolio of jobs, Mm -hmm. more and more young people have a portfolio of jobs. They're doing a series of things. They're entrepreneurial. That's the number,
0: 25 jobs in your
1: lifetime. In your lifetime, yes, exactly. It used to be one. But but some even have multiple jobs at the same time, things Mm -hmm. they're doing. I've got this and then I've got my gig on the side, Mm -hmm. if you will. But how are you earning your benefits? We need to modernize that Mm -hmm. so that, um, they're portable we, with you they're portable and they're also you can earn maybe partial benefits in different jobs mm-hmm. and that becomes more normal uh it, we also have to help displaced workers mm-hmm. we're displacing workers fast we have a flexible workforce um but then we owe those people something greater than trade adjustment assistance mm-hmm. which is what we offer the people who are displaced by trade but mm-hmm. But technology is displacing as yeah. many jobs, technology, if not more.
0: Assistance. Exactly.
1: Right. Um, and the thesis that we put forward is one that really we have a lot of faith in business leaders being much clearer about what is that they need in their workforce. Mm-hmm. And the second is local, state, and local leadership. Coming together, business leadership with government leadership, Mm -hmm. with the educational institutions, Mm K-12, all the way through universities, especially including the community colleges, to be part of the solution. What you're finding in certain states, laws have to be changed Mm -hmm. to create the flexibility. So if I want to be on a certain pathway where, let's say, I go K through 14, and I need to be work ready. I cannot afford mm-hmm. to be in school longer, and I may want to earn my BA later, mm-hmm. um, but I need to be employable. I want to be start taking courses in high school that maybe are offered at the community college. You need to be able to change laws that allow for that. Right. So you see states like Delaware or Colorado or South Carolina that have done this, and it creates greater opportunity for folks. What
0: about the idea of coding? Like this is something that get that's caught on to Silicon Valley all the time. I don't I think it's it's sort of a dumbed down version of something important. You you sort of hear them saying it's like that's not really what you want to how you want to position it, that it should be like learning in English or something like that. I don't know. I'm not I it was a big push by the Obama administration for sure. Right. I, I think that um
1: I'm not going to argue against coding. I think you have to understand, and I don't know what the right course offerings mm-hmm. are to say, how do I understand what is coding, what is artificial intelligence, how do I work uh, side-by-side with machines? Because we all work with machines. We all work with some sort of either
0: mm-hmm.
1: iPad or, or or phone or computer. Everything is technology today, mm-hmm. every job. Uh, and so we have to learn, we have to be trained so that we can do that proficiently and not be somebody who's constantly saying, help, help,
0: I can't get this done. Right. When we're talking about this idea is you have machine uh, skills in U.S. leadership. Um, I want to get to U.S. leadership in a in a second around lots of topics. But what are the, you, the picture on your on this front is of a machine replacing yes. things. One of the things I just talked about in a recent podcast was this idea of sometimes machines should replace jobs because they do it better. Coal mining is dangerous for people. Machines right. should probably do the work, or robots of some sort. There's all kinds of jobs where machines do a better job, they're cheaper, they, they do better. Should we when you think about when you say machines, what do you mean by that, the work ahead? Because they're they are gonna replace Right, but there are all kinds of
1: machines. There mm-hmm. are there's robotics that may replace somebody who's doing trying to lift something that's too heavy right. or move uh materials. But then there's machines like drones. Mm-hmm. I mean drones could for example if you think about inspections of telecommunication towers or mm-hmm. wind turbines or things mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that. It's dangerous to send an individual. Right, Why well, do it. it? And so what but it, they need pilots. Mhm. So it's not like this is something that can be purely machine Mm -hmm. run. The machines on a manufacturing floor need people to monitor and manage Mm -hmm. and adjust as products change. And so what we have to learn is to be able to work side by side with Mm -hmm. machines. Mm
0: -hmm. And then when you're talking the skills people need.
1: Talk about right. those, what you've identified. So the
0: skills, it's everything from
1: we have a significant part of our population that's just not even job ready. No. So basic soft skills, so I hate the word soft because these are fundamental skills that we take for granted in mm-hmm. many instances that children are learning. Um, but in many cases, there's not been someone to model the basic mm-hmm. Workplace skills, how do I show up on time? How do I address folks? How do I resolve conflict mm-hmm. at work? Mm-hmm. How do I um, uh, engage in a dialogue around a new idea? These are skills that need to be learned, and how do I do it in a way where i don 't get defensive where i Where I feel that I can be collaborative and that 's a set of skills as much as it is learning how to run a um, a smart grid, or it is to learn to be a plumber, or it is to learn to run a carpet manufacturing machine.
0: But one of the things you have to do, realize, is a lot of these skills are technical. They have to, they they become technical, because, and the stuff that can be, I was saying this to someone the other night, which is... They were they're were worried about their kids, and I said, just—I think you're a smart person. Everything that can be digitized will be digitized. Yes. Yeah, just That's it. Period. Cars will be digitized. We will have self-driving cars. So what does that—let's just assume that's happening, and it's not going to stop. Right. What does that mean for malls, for insurance companies, for, like, start to really iterate around the entire— It means I, we're going
1: to have massive change. Yeah. I don't know what it means for employment. Right. I'm a optimist. We seem to have figured out employment throughout history, so I right. think we'll figure that part out. And I'm a believer in jobs. Jobs are important for mm-hmm. someone. Not you see, just I for don't
0: think there's going to be jobs. I think, co- well, be. I, uh, I think it's good. we're going to work 20 hours a week.
1: Well, I, that may or may not be true. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's going to be the case. I am I don't necessarily believe that's the case. Because um, we seem to be able to iterate jobs, mm-hmm. and all I know is that we seem to need more people. We've got mm-hmm. low unemployment yeah. also, and dissatisfaction with the, the skills. Employment. yes, and, yes. And, and those are technical skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need more people with more technical skills. But we need to also make it easier for someone who is, uh, at different
0: stages of their life, gaining those mm-hmm. technical skills. Right. We don't stop learning. Right. Absolutely. So when we get back, I want to talk more about the leadership parts of it, because mm-hmm. one of the things that's happened is around immigration, around the idea this country is founded on immigration, and, yes. and Satya Nadella is an immigrant, for example, at Microsoft. Um, Sergey Brin is an immigrant. Elon yes. Musk is an immigrant. You can go down. All, all, I'm just using the tech people. Forty
1: percent of the CEOs of the Fortune 500 are either immigrants themselves or children of immigrants. Exactly.
0: And so I want to talk about that leadership, what it's going to require— as this transition is made, because one thing I do fear is that the fresh ideas of what we're going to do about it. If you believe, as I do, say that you're going to work 20 hours a week, what do we do about that? Who makes money? What about universal basic income? Lots of different ideas that have been bandied about. I want to talk about that and more with Penny Pritzker. She was the former U.S. Commerce Secretary, and she's she's been working on a book with the Council of Foreign Relations. She's led a report with John Angler called The Work Ahead, Machine Skills and U.S. Leadership in the 21st Century. Big news, Vox Media has an exciting new project they're working on with Netflix. Here's Joe Posner and Claire Gordon to tell you all about it.
2: Hi, Recode Decode. Vox just launched a new show on Netflix.
0: It's called Explained, and you can find it on Netflix right
2: now. It's for people like you, people who are curious about the world around them.
0: And here's our promise.
1: If you give us 15 minutes of your time... Or sometimes 20, sometimes we can
0: stick to the 15 minute limit. So 15 to 20 minutes of your time will take you from being just curious about a big important topic to actually understanding it. Our first few episodes explore things like,
2: why is monogamy so important around the world?
0: What happens when we can actually edit our DNA and take control of our own evolution?
2: Why is the racial wealth gap in America still growing?
0: You'll see it's Vox to its core. It's a bigger and more ambitious, yes, but still looking and feeling and sounding like us.
2: And we'll hopefully give you the context and reporting and research that actually makes these super, super satisfying. I think the most satisfying videos we've ever made. So go to Netflix and check it out. You can search for it. You can search for Vox, or you can just go to Netflix.com/explained.
0: We're here with Penny Pritzker. She has. Are you penned it? Did you pen this book, The Work Ahead? We we well, organ I'm teasing, we, I'm teasing I didn't Nobody write pens every word. I I yes. It was a collaborative process of 20 experts. And so th- th- you brought them together to give me example of an expert, like for such as.
1: Well, we had uh, the head of Lumina Foundation. We Mm -hmm. had folks from McKinsey. We had... um uh, John Engler, former governor. We mm-hmm. had Jack Markell, former governor. Right. Um, we had business leaders uh, from different parts of the country. So it was a really eclectic group of
0: people. And you had recommendations here. Absolutely. You know, like, it's one, a strengthen the link between education and work. Overhaul transition assistance for workers. Yes. Um, you know, you're giving basically advice, like a, an advice book, essentially.
1: The of, way we thought about it is remove to... Remove
0: barriers pro- to opportunity. Well, that's a big one. <laughs> to
1: provide... Uh, a menu of options. Options at the federal level, options for state and local leaders, mm-hmm. options for business leaders, what to do, options for nonprofits. Mm-hmm. And because I'm a do person. I'm right. not a this big, is what you can do. Right? Yeah, here's what you can do. Here's what... Uh, here, And here are examples of programs that are working. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, uh, there's a lot of evaluation in there. Um, and I think it's a very useful... Uh, uh, Offering for, for example, what I kept in mind was think about the fact we're going to have thirty one new governors mm-hmm. next year, mm-hmm. and if you're a governor, how could you pull the levers in your state to make it your the people living in your state more competitive? Right. right. And uh, so, this is. You know, our audience, we have a federal audience as mm-hmm. well. I'm just not sure much will happen there right Yeah, now. I don't know
0: about that. So talk about leadership. I mean, immigration, take that as a thing. This has been an incredibly hostile administration to immigrants.
1: Well, I, I don't get the policy. I really don't understand it. First of all, we're a country of immigrants. I'm, you know, the great you grand, it,
0: fear and racism, but go ahead. You know,
1: I I'm the great granddaughter of an mm-hmm. immigrant. And fr- I w- went back to Ukraine, which is where my family came from. Mm-hmm. And I went to the 75th anniversary of Baba Yar, where Mm -hmm. the 32,000 Jews were killed. And frankly, I wouldn't be alive today if my great-grandfather had not immigrated. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and we have benefited from immigration. We've benefited... Not just economically, but as the mosaic that is our country mm-hmm. has
0: benefited from all kinds of thinking. So why do you think there's so much fear around it? I just went to see a tremendous thing that Lorraine Jobs actually backed, the Emerson Collective, the, the Carne Arena, about mm-hmm. uh, 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 people moving across the border, the, the border, the issues around Mexico. Just as you're saying, strengthening Mexico would be the best thing we can do. Absolutely. So then there's
1: jobs in Mexico. The truth is the immigration from Mexico, illegal immigration from Mexico, is very low. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You know, we we followed this caravan of of folks trying to come to the United States through Mexico— it was 1,200 people, and frankly, they were coming from south of the Mexican border. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a strong Mexico and a vibrant me- economic Mexico is
0: good for the United mm-hmm. States. But talk about, but about, immigration. about this idea of immigration. This idea of how it's become demonized
1: well I think that I think, think it 's related to the topic that we were talking about before, which is the angst Americans are feeling about their jobs and their opportunity they don 't know what to do, but they 're like okay i don 't have it, maybe somebody else does, mm-hmm. and so I think there 's a fear of the other that 's been stoked, which is just the opposite of what the values have been of the United States of mm-hmm. America, and I think that our immigration policy we tried to get comprehensive immigration. Uh, reform done in the Obama administration. Mm -hmm. It was a huge priority, and we would have benefited so much because we do this extraordinary, you know, if if you're a refugee or you're someone trying to come to the United States, Mm -hmm. you go through five, seven years of a process. You go Mm -hmm. through so much review. It's unbelievable. What we're not allowing is, think of this. Today, 50% of the people are getting a master's or a Ph.D., in STEM fields today are people from outside the United States, mm-hmm. educated
0: in our schools. Right. And we're asking them to leave. Right. They want to stay. Yeah. so That's crazy. It, it, it is crazy. It brings it back. To, it, it removes innovation. You, you, one of these recommendations is keep it here in this country. Keep
1: the innovation here. and mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're an immigrant, you have to be entrepreneurial and innovative, because how the heck did you get here? Mm -hmm. Right? We don't make it easy. It's very hard. And you have to have resiliency, and you have to have stick-to-itiveness. And I'm not saying immigrants are more resilient, but what I will say is is that immigrants do form new companies Mm -hmm. at a higher rate than uh, Americans do. Mm -hmm. And And the other problem that I saw firsthand as Secretary of Commerce is we have American businesses that are putting jobs today in Canada and other parts of the world because they can't get the talent here. Right. And they just please they would beg me please let us get these people in so that they can do their work here and they can buy our products here and they can be part of our communities and right. they can you the- know strengthen our economy. But I think there's a lot of people who feel okay that's great except it's not helping me. And I think that that's part of so this what is it divide hard
0: at, at the success of these messages against immigration. I'm sorry. What's this? Why? Why are they sinking in? Why are these feelings? Because of just plain old fear of what's coming.
1: I think it's fear and angst, and I think it's a question of people feeling that they don't have opportunity and they can't find their way to economic opportunity. We have this growing divide in our country in terms of opportunity and that's that is mm-hmm. undermining the promise of the United States and we must address that. We can't just address the opportunities at the top of the food chain. Right. We've got to make sure that every American has the opportunity at the American dream. And that's why I say we've got the programs that are can offer it make it easier for someone who's in middle school and high school to get skills so that they can be employable mm-hmm. i'm not saying that they shouldn't ultimately pursue more and more education mm-hmm. I'm saying we have to recognize the
0: flexibility that's needed in an individual's life. What do you think of the Silicon Valley idea that you don't need school more and more? I have to say at first, I thought I, I dismissed it as out of hand, but as i my kids get older i'm like. Do they really need to go to college? I mean, I, they're going to, um, they're, but why? Like, I start to question the concept of it. Like, what is, what is the actual career path for people? And you know, again, my kid's early for sure, but you begin to question. It's a big thing in Silicon Valley. Why? You know, you have Mark Zuckerberg, others who left college, created stuff. How do you look at that? concept. Of, and when you talk about ongoing education, that's different than...
1: I think we need all of the above. Mm-hmm. In other words, we need to offer pathways for someone who is not going to go to college. And you may be Mark Zuckerberg, mm-hmm. you're going to... Or Bill trainers, Gates, plumbing. And you want it, Or you may be somebody who wants to, it, you know, is going to do vocational work. Mm-hmm. And which there are phenomenal Job vocational yeah. jobs with great incomes. My plumber is very well. And I, uh, yeah, I went. I went. I went to um, uh, manufacturing, advanced manufacturing place in Delaware, where I met all kinds of young people who had gone through the high school system in Delaware, Mm gotten skills training, were in manufacturing. They owned a home. They owned a car. They were getting further Mm -hmm. education. They had no debt. Right and and we need to make all of that Mm -hmm. easier for the average American. That's the fundamental thesis of the report, and we offer up all kinds of examples Mm -hmm. of where that's happening. I mean the concept of Having to go to college is the thing you should do. Well, there's a, part of what we say is, mm-hmm. is is that recruiting needs to be skills based mm-hmm. and not degree based, right? And that we understand if you get and some skills are acquired through credentials, mm-hmm. maybe not through a speci- you know, they may be mm-hmm. through a particular program. We need much greater transparency of the value of a credential. Mm-hmm. What skills does that mean you have earned? Mm-hmm. And one of the things we found um, over the last ten years is recruiters. Uh, it's easier to recruit somebody and fill a job. You get greater credit if you say, oh, I found the person with an undergraduate degree. Mm -hmm. In a funny way, that's... that's too easy. Mm-hmm. It's much easier than trying to figure out. Do you have the requisite right. skills, but you don't have a college degree to do the job in front of us? But more and more companies are willing to put in the effort to right, understand to train them that once they're there. Well, and also to understand really what are the skills. Going back to my my uh, example I gave at the beginning of Corey Powell. You know, part of Corey Powell's problem wasn't that he didn't have skills. Right. He didn't know how to present his skills. He didn't have the quote degrees that were ne- theoretically needed. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, if he could w- if he was able to gain a few more skills and also explain he had management skills, he had supervisory skills, he had technical mm-hmm. skills, mm-hmm. he was able to be reemployed and improve his
0: uh Income. Mm-hmm. Now, lastly, I want to talk about the, the 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 entire world is competing with us at this point. <laughs> yes. So, is there such a thing? Like, you know, there is this fight between the globalists and the the populists or the nationalists or the tribalism. Um, it seems like you can't avoid the global. Arena, But do we have to think of it that way? Because you're talking about technical skills leaving the United States. This is aimed at the United States. This is it's aimed, aimed at policies for the United, for the United States. States. It's is, aimed- there, is there going to be such a thing going forward when you think about um, I, I, the idea of maintaining U.S. tech, The reason you should maintain U.S. technological leadership is, one, we invented it. And, two, other countries don't have our values, don't have the values that we have towards all kinds of things. China, China running the technology world is terrifying right. to me. I mean, think about human rights. Uh, it's terrifying. I, they can't. They may not. That's that's how I feel like it. It's and not been be. a
1: priority No,
0: there. no. So what, among these things, when you think about a global economy, should we be thinking in terms of countries anymore, or should we be? Well, I think we have to think in terms of countries because okay. they're not
1: going away. Right. And But I do think what we have to do is think about global competitiveness for mm-hmm. the average American. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're trying to address here is, mm-hmm we need to help the average American be globally competitive because it's too easy today to move jobs around the world. And communication and transportation have made that just easier and easier. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to acknowledge that and say, we've got to help Americans stay on the cutting edge. Mm -hmm. And it's not impossible to do. This is not a heavy lift. We've got to have the will to do it and sustained effort, and we have to commit
0: to lifelong learning, lifelong training. Right. So if you were, you know, in charge again, um, of these many things, you overall support for work is critical, how we work and the, not just how we treat our children and how we help mothers and parents deal with the workforce. That's a whole other thing. But... Um, of these things, what do you think in the near term, medium term, and long term are the most critical elements? If you go, like, pick one thing that's critical in the next five years.
1: Well, I think that we need to adjust our education and workforce training system Mm -hmm. so that it's got greater flexibility. Mm -hmm. 30 percent of Americans graduate from college, 70 percent, don't we? Can't right off the 70%. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got to create that greater flexibility and the ability to be learning and earning at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that is, and, and that requires a mindset shift, mm-hmm. a policy shift, a... Um, give me a policy, can one policy and put into place that would... Well, it's, it's how you run your educational funding so... Uh, making the Pell Grant more flexible so Mm -hmm. that it supports all kinds of learning. Not just college, yeah. And so that would be one policy that should be bipartisan, Mm -hmm. that we ought to be able to get done. Mm -hmm. I think that um, continuing to, frankly, making the United States, continuing to make the United States an attractive place to invest, Mm -hmm. because companies have choices now all over the world. Right. And so you can't just... Have a workforce. You also yeah. have to have rules and regulations, and um, and and an attitude and an atmosphere that's welcoming mm-hmm. to to
0: all peoples. Right. And that is something that I think, I think is absolutely critical. I think this Bezos sort of a little bit of a circus around the headquarters, the second headquarters thing that he's been doing, Jeff Bezos and Amazon. Yes. it's kind of interesting. I'm I'm, I'm horrified and fascinated by it at the same time because it's sort of like a weird competition. Uh, for his jobs, but the stuff that the part I do like is the, comp- the the city's understanding what they have and don't have in order to attract that particular thing. Whether they're going to get benefits from it, we'll see but it being there. But I, someone was talking about a state, and I was like, "No, they're anti-gay. Like he he won't locate there." And they it was, and they were like, "What do you know about that?" I'm like, "I'm telling you, he will not locate. I know this company. I know this person." And so it just zeroed them out. And I was thinking those. State legislatures are idiots. They're going to lose all this, you know, economic benefit.
1: It's been fascinating. i part of the leadership team for Chicago, mm-hmm. representing Chicago in the race for hq The race too. <laughs> you know, but what it has been, we will— we You're will still be- in the race. Okay. As far as we know, but we'll in the- see. Uh, and, and, you know, Chicago's the best city, so okay. hopefully he will choose us. But we've learned an enormous amount. We did an enormous amount of research about Mm -hmm. ourselves and comparative research that has helped us understand where we're, you know, what makes us attractive and where we need to work. Mm -hmm. And what's really cool is our private sector and our educational system have come together to say we're going to address the places that we assess we could do better Mm -hmm. and we're going to promote the things that we think we've got figured out already Mm -hmm. and that's very, to me, it's been um, a big learning, a big
0: learning. What's the biggest plus of Chicago?
1: Well, Chicago has a phenomenal talent, Mm -hmm. great transportation. It's affordable relative Mm -hmm. to many of the other cities. And we've got, I'm
0: sorry, good food and fabulous food, fabulous entertainment. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah, it'll be interesting. I have a sense of Uh, Well, Chicago probably wouldn't be an area who, I'm just, it was really interesting because I was arguing with someone from a southern state. I'm like, you're never getting it. It's never happening for you. And it's really a disappointment that your legislators don't understand if you want, you know, and that's more important than jobs which was interesting to me like that was well
1: if you're an investor like Mm -hmm. a jeff bezos or like we are you're Mm -hmm. not thinking about the next three years or five years you're thinking about 15 20 25 years and what it so you're thinking in generations and you're thinking is this a place that's committed to both the talent the uh the values, mm-hmm. the and is it going to be the kind of place where people are going to want to live? And what you're seeing, as I talked about earlier, you're seeing just an enormous interest by people living in urban areas. They're mm-hmm. finding them vibrant and interesting mm-hmm. and exciting and diverse. Mm-hmm. And the workforce is becoming much more diverse, and people want to be in that kind of place. That is got that kind of energy mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. so finishing up when you think about uh the most it, it, it varies from city to city, you know like for example, San Francisco's growing like crazy with tech, but it, we are suffering from um, uh, homelessness and crime and all kinds of things drug use on the streets and things like that so it's it's it, it's fascinating to watch both things happen at once, but if you had to think the most important thing in this in this thing, and I don't want you to have necessarily—I want you to pick one. What is the thing you're most worried about and the thing you're most hopeful about to finish up? One of the
1: things I'm hopeful about—
0: well, I want you to finish, start with worried because I'd like to end on hopeful. Okay. Okay.
1: One of the things I'm most worried about is is that we won't make this a national cause, mm-hmm. that we'll just sort of let this go by piecemeal, and we won't In really come states. together and recognize the solutions are local, but that we'll really need to make this a, a culture change for mm-hmm. America. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'll pick one very specific thing I'm hopeful about mm-hmm. is the focus that seems to be around apprenticeships. Mm-hmm in all kinds of jobs, mm-hmm. and the idea that we can help Americans through both learning and earning at the same time. Learning I think that, and earning. I
0: like that. Yeah. I like that. Have you thought about running for public office now?
1: Well, right now my brother's running for That's public office. That's right. I know office, that. So I was going to ask you about that. One Pritzker in politics right now really? is enough. Uh, Do you think he'll win? I do. Yeah. I think he'll be a great governor. Who's he running against? The state of Illinois. He's no, running know. against uh, Governor Rauner. Oh, right. Okay. Who's also a friend. So yeah. it's but you know, voting for your brother though, right? Oh, more than voting for him. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm all in for my brother.
0: <laughs> but t- but you've never thought because I think government is very important to this. The, the right people uh, in absolutely, office. You absolutely. You know, just just watching that hearing with Mark Zuckerberg, I was like, that's enough. These people cannot stay any longer. The ones that don't understand technology or future are the right questions to ask.
1: But, you know, I will say one thing, Carol, we need as business leaders who are knowledgeable Mm -hmm. in technology, we need to make it acceptable for people to leave our employee for a year or two, Mm -hmm. go into government, support folks. I, you know, I as much blame the legislators as I do the staff Mm -hmm. for that hearing because, frankly, we need to help the staff people be better, better Mm -hmm. informed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's something that we fought really hard for during the Obama administration trying to build those bridges. And folks came from the Silicon Valley, yeah. from Seattle and other parts right. of the country to help us. They did. And they felt the same way I did. It's an honor to serve your country. Mm-hmm.
0: But now they're not there. Just so you know, they're yeah. gone. Now I know They don't have a head of the science office. That's an astonishing. It's amazing. When you have a report like this, they don't have a head of science or technology or anything else. It's just, it's, I, I don't know how this can happen. You know, at least it's delayed for a number of years, for sure. But that's my opinion. You don't have to say it, Penny.
1: Well, the White House took interest in this, but we'll see if they do something. We yeah. we call for a national commission on workforce, and hopefully, they will take action.
0: Yeah, we'll see. All right, well, we'll see if that happens, and you'll be you'll go back to the White House then. I, you know, I, I'm encouraging them to take this up as a serious <laughs> issue. Okay. All right, Penny. Thank you so much. I was thank just you. you there. I apologize. Anyway, thank you so much. It's been great talking to you. And this report is called The Work Ahead, Machine Skills and U.S. Leadership in the 21st Century. Um, and it's by the Council on Foreign Relations. And it's... Uh, the co-chairs are John Angler and Penny Pritzker thank you so much for coming thank you um, if you enjoyed the interview as much as I did be sure to subscribe to the show you can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts or just visit recode.net slash podcast for more if you have a minute please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts tell other people about the show this helps them discover great interviews just like this one now that you're done with this you should check out our other podcasts Too Embarrassed to Ask and Recode Media with Peter Kafka you can find those shows wherever you found this one Thank you for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. And thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Saturday. Tune in then. Today's show is brought to you by IBM. 16 million new collar jobs will be created by 2024. To help fill them, IBM's new education model gives high school students workplace experience and an associate's degree. 90 P-TECH schools are already preparing graduates for tomorrow's STEM careers. Let's put smart to work. Find out how at ibm.com slash ptech.